0: And welcome, everyone, to part one of a brand new Countdown series. I'm your host, Scott Shelton. And on this Countdown series, we will be running through the full filmography of one of the great currently working indie writer, director, auteurs, Wes Anderson, whose feature film debut took place all the way back in the mid-1990s with the 1996 crime comedy Bottle Rocket and spans a full 10 movies to date with his latest anthology drama, The French Dispatch. We'll be covering all 10 of those movies in this countdown in anticipation of Anderson's next film, which we expect to come out later this fall, the romantic dramedy Asteroid City. But before we get to today's topic of Bottle Rocket, with me, as always, I have my Countdown co-hosts, Scott Harvey and Jay Habib. Guys, how are you both doing? Are you ready to return to that countdown life? The Countdown crew is back. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this series. It will be a nice... um Palette cleanser from the james bond series which you know it ha- it had some highs but was definitely my least favorite series that we've done so far i thought this um, was a
0: bond movie for a second though honestly i mean done uh, yeah, totally. um
1: but yeah now wes anderson in recent i'm interested to revisit these films because like in recent years he's become one of my favorite filmmakers um but i'm not i haven't always been a fan of his older work and there's two films I hadn't seen including today's um before so I'm interested to see on revisit how much I appreciate or if I feel the same about some of those movies like Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums which haven't always
0: hit for me in the past so I'm looking
1: forward to it. it should be a fun
0: series yeah you're the most experienced uh Wes Anderson head on the podcast on the countdown series honestly as usual you know with with one exception I guess with the Nolan when we're I guess you'd actually seen fewer Nolan than we had because you hadn't seen Interstellar. Yeah, because I hadn't seen Interstellar. Um, yeah, which will never happen again, probably on any countdown series that we do. But time will tell. Jay, I think you're back in the hot seat of having never seen anything uh, from the countdown series that we're doing again. But how are you doing? Are you ready to experience something new?
2: Oh yeah, we are. We are back, and I'm here for it. I am in the hot seat of never having seen any of these movies and knowing very little. About Wes Anderson and his film style.
0: Yeah, when's the last time this happened? This was because you'd seen some stuff from Fincher.
2: I uh, Star Wars was the last time. Star it Wars, yeah.
0: So yeah, the first, yeah, because you'd seen some Bond. You'd Actually, seen a Bond no, movie.
2: I had never seen a Bond movie either. But okay. Star Wars you was seen a first. Bond movie. So yeah, Star Wars and Bond were the two. I will say I I felt more equipped to handle those. This this feels a little bit more outside my wheelhouse, but should be a good time.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. It's not um, it's not. They're not genre movies for the most part, um, no. They're which not. Bond and, and Star Wars certainly are. But yeah, for me, I've seen all the, all the modern uh, Wes Anderson, none of the old. So I've seen everything from Moonrise Kingdom onward, um, which is his most recent four movies. So about half of his filmography. Um, but everything before that, I've only heard tell of. Um, and there might, part of the reason for that is that Scott's, as like Scott mentioned, not a huge fan of the Sort of pretty much the, if I'm fair to say, the pre Moonrise Kingdom films, um, with with one exception. With yes, one exception. One. And there so, one, the whenever one, I, I debated I like. going back um, and and watching them, I was like, well, Scott doesn't like them that much. Uh, I, I don't know if I will. I mean, Scott's not the barometer for whether I like a movie or not, but he does. He does. He does influence what what I see with my limited amount of of free time for older movies. Um wow. I think it's that warms my
1: heart to know that I have that kind of
0: uh Yeah, no it's hour. true. I mean look, I didn't go out and waste two hours of my life watching the net last year because of you. So so there you Fair go. Enough. <laughs> yeah, you influence things on the, on the margin for sure and um if that warms your heart then I'm I'm glad we have that bond. But guys, I think it's probably about time to talk about Bottle Rocket. Like I mentioned already, it's released in 1996, co-written by Anderson and Owen Wilson and starring the latter, as well as his brother, Luke. Bottle Rocket launched Wes Anderson's career, as well as the careers of Owen and Luke Wilson, thanks to high praise from critics and also fellow industry veterans, most notably Martin Scorsese, who says Bottle Rocket's one of his favorite films from the 1990s. But like many of our Countdown series, Part One films, Bottle Rocket was a failure at the box office, Um, pretty much a complete failure. It was a total bomb. Granted, expectations were not very high for it, but it did sort of raise to prominence from critics. It, I think I'm not sure if it actually won any awards or not off the top of my head, um, but it was received quite well and sort of became a little bit of a cult classic in the years following. Uh, it was an expansion of Anderson's short film of the same name from 1994 and follows Luke Wilson's Anthony, recent, recently released from a voluntary psychiatric hospital, as well as his friend Owen Wilson's Dignan, the latter of which seems a little bit more out of touch than the one who just got out of a psychiatric hospital and has concocted an elaborate 75 year plan, similar to what my plan was for the podcast uh, to launch their careers as burglars before they can run any real heists. However, they need to recruit a getaway driver, Bob Maplethorpe, played by Robert Musgrave, who just so happens to be the only person the pair know who owns a car. And they also buy a gun coincidentally with Bob's money. So he's coming in real handy for the team. Tensions begin to rise quickly. However, Between the trio, as Dignan fails to explain his, quote, elaborately planned heist of a local bookstore. Various hijinks and robberies ensue from there, but I'll stop there and go to Jay first. Jay, like I said, and like you admitted, you've once again returned to the seat of never having seen one of these movies. So let's get your first impressions of the great Wes Anderson. What did you think?
2: Well, first of all, I hope your 75-year plan is better than Owen Wilson's was.
0: I'd say it took up just as many sheets in a notebook as his did.
2: (laughs) Sounds about right. Um, it was fine. It, it, it was fine. And okay. I'm, Resounding review. All right. No, yeah. Th- th- that's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> I think there were some good moments. Sure. I honestly felt like the film didn't know what it was doing a lot of the time. Like, I, okay. I think it took, I don't know, like, I think 45 minutes that I looked over and I was like, do you have any idea, like, what is going on or, like, what? this movie is about um and again I think it has some like funny moments that then like you know tie it up a little bit more nicely but I still until I got to like the very end I didn't feel like I had a great sense of what I had just watched um and what's interesting to me and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this was I went you know on Letterboxd and I started reading through some people's reviews and I felt like I noticed the people who reviewed it more highly were like, oh, you can totally see Wes Anderson's, like, you know, the early makings of his style, like, starting to come through in this. And I'm sitting here like, well, maybe that's why I don't appreciate it because I have no idea what I'm looking for. I'm watching this movie from scratch. And I don't know, maybe in the same way that, like, I wouldn't necessarily have thought following was halfway decent if I hadn't seen almost everything else Nolan had done and been like, oh, see, like, this is very Nolan-esque. Like, I felt like maybe because I was coming in, on a clean slate i was like it was fine like you know with 30 minutes left to go i was like i i don't necessarily want to finish this but then i'm glad that i did ultimately um yeah not not coming in too hot on this one
0: scott um did you get more out of it than jay is it better than fine for you yeah, it is.
1: I I enjoyed it. Um I it I found it pretty charming in the end. I it is a little slow to start, I agree. Um, however, it, it is also true what Jay is describing about like 45 minutes in being like, what's going on? Like th- that's typically some of my favorite movies are like that, right? Or yeah. just very aimless. That, and, yeah. What's um, the point
0: of this movie? Scott's like, I don't know, dri- man. I love it.
1: <laughs> driven, it's the it's all about the vibes, baby. This yeah. movie is about the vibes. Um Which is interesting, right? Because that is not what I usually think of with Wes Anderson. Um, And maybe there are, to to Jay's last point there, maybe there are, like, if you get really inside baseball, maybe there are some things, like particular themes or or types of characters that he's interested in or something that remain consistent um, throughout his filmography or, like, that you can see the signs early on of where he was going. But mostly for me, I was kind of like... shocked that this was a wes anderson movie i think he is less he is not really doing his own thing as we know it now as much as he is kind of mirroring the style of what was going on in like 90s late 80s like independent american movies with like you know jim jarmusch and Steven Soderbergh and richard linklater all these types of people were doing these character pieces that were driven more by the people and the dialogue than they were by the plot. Um, and I think that's definitely what you get with with this movie. I mean, it's ostensibly, you know, you described it as a crime comedy, but the crime isn't totally important to the the progression of the movie. Um, and it, it is funny, but I don't know that it's like, it really pigeonholes itself into either one of those genres. Um, I think it is more about, it's it's a character study, like I said, of these two guys, Um, one of them being this sort of, um, you know, Luke Wilson's character, Anthony, trying to be this guy who's kind of trying to go straight, especially after he, um, you know, meets and falls in love with this um, housekeeper at the motel. Um, And then Owen Wilson's Dignan as sort of the chaotic figure who keeps trying to, you know, bring him back into this world of, crime even though neither one of them is really that skilled at it um which is kind of what leads to a lot of the humor in the movie um it's you know there's something about their friendship which um sustains which which stays you know present throughout the movie and i think um you could make the case that they're you know anthony continuously being drawn back into you know doing these crimes despite you know, knowing that it could sabotage his relationship and everything he's going for um, is kind of more about his friendship. And I thought that the movie had a real affection for both of the characters, even though they're both kind of screw ups in their own way. Um, I think in the end, you you learn to to like a lot of them, or to to, to like both of them. You um, find them both pretty charming in the end. And I like some of the ensemble figures as well that pop up. Um, so in, in that regard. Um, I think it's a a really, you know, it's a fun, it's a charming movie. Um, It's probably somewhere near the middle of the mental rankings I have of Wes Anderson at at this particular time. Um, But I am glad that we watched it. And it is interesting to see where his career jumped off because I do feel like it is mostly different from the heavily stylized, like everything, you know, symmetrical, like a Swiss watch um, type of filmography, type of filmmaking that we will see visually, at least um, going forward with um, his movies. Maybe he just didn't have the capability of doing that early this early in his career. Um, but I think you start to see some of it even more, even with Rushmore. And then by the time we get to like tenenbaum's his style is firmly established, but it's, it's a, it's a fun movie.
0: Yeah. It certainly felt different for me as well. I especially when you when you think about the films that I've seen which again only starting with Moonrise Kingdom in 2012 I think was when that movie was um so he has like almost 20 years I mean 16 years to develop that style to the point there but visually unrecognizable to me as a Wes Anderson movie I do think that there are certain elements and themes that that you could tie to other films or or things that he's interested in I, I do think the sort of Relationship that it's exploring between, you know, Dignan and Anthony. I think it is is the kind of Wes Anderson like relationship that you'd see him explore, like this sort of like weird dynamic that you don't really fully understand, like what's brought these two people together, really. um But they are brought together, and they do seem to be inexplicably bound um, to the point, like you're talking about. Scott Ward Anthony continues to help Dignan with these harebrained schemes that he has over and over again. Um, and then there's like the zaniness. I think there is some like zaniness to it in the final act that mm-hmm. that feels closer to something that you might see in in another in other Wes Anderson movies. Um, it's toned down in this film compared to what I think you well we might get later on in the countdown series. Um, but I do think that you you can sort of see the, the early there. But the bottom line was, if I didn't know this was a Wes Anderson movie, I, I don't think that I would have guessed it was a Wes Anderson movie. Um, at least on my experience. But overall. I mean, it's I I kind of always think of like Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson, especially Owen Wilson as just these people who have always existed and have always been doing things in film and the media business. But like to also realize that this was their career starts is like kind of wild. I mean, the fact that Owen Wilson thought about going into the Marines after this movie flopped at the box office rather than continuing to act is like pretty is like a pretty wild thing to think about.
1: And the movie is also based on a short called Bottle Rocket, yep. which was, they were both in as well. So their friendship with Wes Anderson is really what um, started both of their careers. And obviously, you know, they've appeared in many, if not all of the movies to date. So
0: Yeah, that's I don't yeah, I don't know the specific count off the top of my head, but that, that sounds about right. I mean, Owen Wilson's in so many of them, for sure. Luke, probably as well. I mean, Owen Wilson is a co-writer on this film. He's. I think he co-writes several of Wes Anderson's movies, maybe not more recently, but definitely in, in the earlier run. So definitely, if not amused muse, then um, a very serious co-collaborator for a while there. But I think with the high level thoughts, I guess my last note is that I, I also liked this. I think that I felt like what you guys are saying about not really knowing what the movie, where the movie was going. It's certainly something that resonated with me. I mean, we're like forty whatever, like through the first half of the film, and like we've spent twenty five or thirty minutes at this motel, and then they like disband the group. I'm like, what on earth is this movie doing? <laughs> Absolutely no idea what's going on. Um, I didn't mind it though. I, I did. I found it pretty funny. Um, which, I mean, maybe I thought it was funnier than you guys thought it. I'm not sure, but I just thought the, the. I mean, so so much of the stuff at the motel is just like so cringe, um, in a way that made me. That I ended up laughing, laughing about like. <laughs> and also just makes you kind of roll your eyes and be like, yeah, yeah, i guy wrote this for sure, um, which I thought was like, oh, you know, take, take it or leave it, I guess. But it was just kind of a, a bit weird, but in a way that I think just because I am a bit partial to to Wes Anderson, I, I still laughed at anyway. But maybe we can talk more about that later. Let's talk about the Wilson brothers more specifically. I was already talking about the start of their career. Jay, what do you make of these two Wilson performances?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're the only thing... I shouldn't say it like that. They're, they're Ooh, one of the like big... <laughs> they're, they're probably the biggest thing that gives this movie a shot, I think. Um, for me, I mean, you know, sure. you. I think Scott Harvey described it as like a character study on these two, and like, you know, the relationship between them, I think, is kind of what holds it together for me. I think uh, in particular, at, o, uh, at Owen Wilson, when he's kind of like you know just kind of moping up by himself um and luke and i'm forgetting the actor uh, who played inez but the two of them are kind of walking up like hey you want to come out with us and he's just kind of sitting there like not saying he's like standing there just like you know kind of like chucking the little explosives just being like you know all mopey as if like he could have been 16 in that scene but he's like a fully grown man um and yeah i don't know like his for me it was owen wilson i think who i was just more interested in given like how I don't know chaotic and childish she was and like right from the get-go when he's like you know oh we're like you know gonna do this stuff for like a Mr. Henry I'm like oh man like you know how many like if it was like 2021 how many Nigerian princes would you be supporting today <laughs> like it was like clearly like oh you're a bit of a buffoon but like you know in a weirdly lovable way like he clearly like wants you know he like he's clearly trying his best like he shows up in the jumpsuit too and I'm just like I don't think a lot of people could like look as like dumb but charming as you are in this moment. So, you know, I was here for him. I thought, I thought they were good. Yeah, I and mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, there'll be more of Owen Wilson and you said a little bit of Luke, too, going forward. Like, that's, that's exciting to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say Dignan's a, a bit of a loser. Anthony maybe straddles that line as well at times.
2: He's a loser who, like, you know, is pretending not to be, or, like, who the movie is yeah. pretending not to be. But he's, like, clearly such a loser, too.
1: Yeah, Owen Wilson, like he has a, there's a confidence about the character, even though ultimately, as the plot reveals itself, like you see that he doesn't actually know what he's talking about, really. Uh, But there's enough, he has enough like confidence in himself and in his schemes, even from the very beginning, even from that first scene at the hospital. to where you can understand how luke wilson would be like all right well you know i believe you let's give this a shot or whatever but um yeah i think they're both great in the movie um i think uh luke wilson is doing this sort of sheepish like very sincere dude that you've kind of come to expect from both of them um over the years like it's kind of the character that both luke and owen wilson has have played and um I could, somebody on Letterboxd, it might have been Brianna Ziegler, had made the comment that both of them have the exact same voice, which is pretty – they do. It's kind of hilarious. Like if their backs were turned and you could not hear who was talking, it would be hard to pinpoint whether it was Luke or Owen that was talking. But um, but yeah, uh, so I, I think Luke Wilson is doing something that is like firmly in their the Wilson wheelhouse. And I think that it, it works. That I think the movie um, is having – like there's a nice balance with his whole relationship with Inez of taking it seriously, being sincere about it, but also poking a little bit of fun about the fact that, you know, he's just turned up at this motel. He's seen her. They've barely exchanged any words together because they don't really, they don't speak the same language really. Um, and yet, you know, he's like in love with her. He's ready to drop everything. He's given her the money. And everything. There, there's like a line where I liked when, um, he and Dignan are like fighting about the fact that he's given her all the money um, out where they parked, the, they stop the car or whatever and have the, oh, fight. the car broke down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and Anthony says like, her name's Inez because he keeps referring to her as a housekeeper or maid. And he's like, and my name's Dignan. <laughs> it was just a funny exchange of dialogue. Again, that kind of gets at he's being so sincere about it. Like, She's a person, man, all this stuff. But he doesn't really know her, and we know that. And when Dignan says, my name's Dignan, um, he's kind of just taking the piss out of that whole thing. So there's a good balance there, though, because you still want the best for Anthony. And at least he believes that his best is to be with Inez, and she seems to reciprocate his feelings. So there is that. Um, So I I thought they both gave a good performance. And Owen Wilson, like, it's a little different from – that usual Wilson role, um, what Owen Wilson is doing, again, because there's there's more of a chaos to him, and he at least, again, pretends like he knows what's going on, whereas, you know, you usually think of Owen Wilson, again, as being kind of a dumb, sheepish, like, wow guy, you know, who just kind of stands around and observes everything that's going on. Um, he's much more of, you know, a proactive figure in this movie. So I liked seeing a different side of him than probably what we'll see in some of the other movies and just in his career in general. But I thought they were two of the strongest parts of the movie for sure.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the film ultimately relies on these two performances. Like, I mean, like you'd said at the outset, it is ultimately a character study. I think Wes Anderson's generally interested in, in, character study types. And I think putting these two people next to each other is sort of trying to dig into what about their personalities links them together in a way and I think that that Anthony does seem some sort of charm in Dignan has the sort of personality where he doesn't want to disappoint other people, um, which is why he's reticent to tell Dignan about the money that he's given to Inez, um, and why he so readily you know joins up again with with Dignan shortly there. You know, months later, I I get the impression, but shortly after in the film's time, um, when he sort of asks him to join the gang again and do another heist. But yeah, I I, th- I do think that I think Owen Wilson is probably the standout for me. If I, if I had to pick one of the two, And I think that's just because what you're saying, Scott, we're sort of, we're sort of engineered around this, like, okay, this is, this is what a a Wilson can do in a movie. And I, and I did think that what Owen Wilson was doing was a little bit different than what I experienced, which is probably a little bit unfair to Luke. But um, I also find Anthony, just to be a less interesting character at the same time. Like he's this person who like, he's kind of a dope. Like, I mean, he, maybe he's not a loser in the same way that that Dignan is, but like, he's gone to this motel and he's fallen in love with a housekeeper. Like what? <laughs> like Come on, get, come on, man, get your head on straight. Um, I, I, I also find the conversation that he has with his sister at the beginning of the film. Is her name grace? I think um, to be, yeah, to be pretty, pretty, pretty rough one on him. Like, I I was kind of disappointed that they didn't go more places with that sort of dynamic, although I know he writes her a letter that um, later on in the film and that sort of played for a little bit of a laugh, although more of just a bridge between two parts of the movie. Um, but he kind of just gets slapped around by this like 10 year old, which I just think was was one of the more funnier interactions that he has in this in the movie. Um, but yeah, Owen Wilson, I think really impressive stuff, like kind of. I'm trying to think of, like, a good comparison, but he's just sort of this, like, like loser guy, like I was saying, who's just, like, deranged and confident enough to be creating these just, like, completely stupid schemes. Um, But he's, like, found people that, like, are either equal or, or like, either persuadable enough or just, like, gullible enough to go along.
1: Yeah. Or they just they want something interesting to happen in their lives. Like, again, I was talking earlier about the kind of trends of independent movies at this time. I feel like that is kind of, um, you know, what something like Sex, Lies and Videotape, the Steven Soderbergh movie or like Days to Confused. Right. These are characters who are like stuck in a particular place and they, you know, have plans to get out of there, you know, get out of this place or aspirations of getting out of this place, but they don't really know what the best way to do it is. And maybe for these characters in Bottle Rocket, it's, you know, somebody like Dignan presents an opportunity
0: for that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good insight. Yeah, I I would agree with that. So I think with that, uh, let's talk about some of the other characters. I think most everyone else is at different parts of the movie, just a bit part player. But there is Robert Musgrave, who I, I think, like, has done nothing else besides this movie. I think this this is like a one-and-done uh, performance from him. I mean, Scott can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I don't think he's done anything else of relevance. He looks like Jimmy Fallon. That was my only uh, yeah impression I, of him. Yeah. I could see that as well, for sure. Um, but then there's also Lumi Cavallos, which is, which is Inez, um, in the film. And then uh, James Caan of Godfather fame, uh, playing uh, Mr. Henry, the sort of, um, I don't, I don't know, like mysterious, uh, like ringleader of this burg of this like burglary group that, uh, Dignan wants to join and then does eventually join, um, by the, by the end of the movie, Jay, what did you think of these sort of supporting roles in the film?
2: They were fine. Again, (laughs) sorry, I got to expand my vocabulary a little bit here. Um, well, talk, think, uh,
0: you, you, were, you were like shaking your head earlier when I, when I think we were talking about Inez, but you, do you want to talk yeah, about no, that, that a little bit? Yeah, that, that,
2: that's where I'll go. I mean, you yeah. know, it. I mean, we've already touched on how it's a little bit silly that, you know, uh, Luke Wilson, after like just getting out of like, uh, his, like voluntary hospital and whatnot, and like what little he goes through in the early parts of the movie, like shows up and is now like head over heels for this person. To me, it was the scene where he's uh, having someone translate uh, his like big romantic speech to her, and like I yeah. can't even remember exactly like how he described her, but it was something really horrible. Like he basically just like said, you know, like oh, this like person from Paraguay who's like really sad, or like you know, really like really I-, I can't remember even exactly what he said because I just remember like rolling my eyes so hard mm-hmm. because I-, I couldn't tell if the movie was like in on the joke that like this guy is you know completely like reducing all of her dimensions, or if like this is actually how like you know, the presumably, like, white writer of this movie, like, wrote this, like, simpleton housekeeper to be, like, it was just like, oh, my God. Um, and, you know, like, what little agency they give her and being like, I can't run off with you, like, your life is a mess, like, goes away, what, ten minutes later? Um, at least, you know, it tries to when she uh, sends the translator again to be like, tell him I love him and then, you know, it all gets jumbled up because Owen Wilson is hilarious. But, yeah if, if uh I don't know if we should uh, start our strong female character tally that we had in the Nolan countdown, but we're starting at zero.
1: What I will say about that is yes I, I I'm although I personally do think the movie is in on the joke at certain moments, I do think this is something worth revisiting though because um it, it is a critique of Wes Anderson that he writes from a very white perspective and that most of the actors he casts in his movies are white now there are going to be obvious exceptions to this we'll see Danny Glover and the Royal Tenenbaums we'll see Jeffrey Wright and the French Dispatch um, but it is a criticism however valid or invalid you may think it um, I mean, is I, it is I, it is something that is lobbed at him fairly often
2: now and I'll say like you know like service level there's no issue with that like I don't I, yeah. I wouldn't expect someone I like him to like you know tackle a project that like wasn't like that like it would either probably come across like very disingenuous or just offensive at worst right like so like him like writing what he knows is like fine you know i I just you know i wonder like you know all right like where where will we go you know in terms of like like obviously he's not female but like you know where will we go in terms of you writing like strong female characters even if you still feature like predominantly white actors across your
1: movie yeah i don't movie. think the female characters is as much of a problem again as it, it, it is it is more of the race thing um at least in my memory um but also isle of dogs is some is another movie where we'll definitely have some something to talk about there with what they do with greta gerwig's character
0: in that movie For I, had, I had i had forgotten about that although i often forget about isle of dogs being, being a wes anderson movie to be honest which i don't mean as too much of a dig but it, I definitely remember having that conversation on our Isle of Dogs podcast a, a few years back. Because Yeah, yeah, because that was 2018. So we definitely talked about that. Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. In this, I, I do think this character, I guess, just to dovetail off what you're saying, Jay, t- to me. I, I, I feel like it's it's just it feels more condescending from like a racial perspective than a than a female perspective for me, um, at least the way it's written. I, I can't. Like Scott, I think Wes Anderson is is often in on the joke that he's doing. But I also could not tell whether he was in on the joke with this character. I, I couldn't tell if this particular character was, was one that he was in on the joke on. I think that it, it just kind of feels like tossed aside, if that makes sense. Like, not like he's trying to be offensive or not be offensive. It just isn't a very important character for the story that he's writing in his mind. Like, it's not an important focus. And so... Yes, it's like I roll it that this person's like in love with this random guy who's come to the hotel. But I think that there's just like an extra layer, like dynamic layer on top of that when you factor in like the sort of racial politics of like this person is a housekeeper at a motel. This is a white guy with money. I mean, not a lot of money, but he's got enough money to be giving her five hundred dollars or whatever um, at the end of it. And it does feel a little bit weird. From that sense, I think that we have already probably put more thought into this character than Wes Anderson did. Um, maybe that's a bit unfair um, to him, but it, it did kind of feel that way to me in the movie. Talking about other characters, um, J- James Conn, I don't know. Like, I guess he was in this movie. Um, he feels like fun. It, it was it was fun. I, I did like some of, a couple of the ping pong scene. Was so funny to me. Uh, I don't and the know scene
1: why where the scene where he tells off uh,
0: Bob's brother was pretty. pretty oh, great. yeah. Who's also a Wilson. Andrew Wilson, their Andrew older Wilson, brother. Yeah. Um, Luke and Owen's older brother. That that was a good. No, that is probably. That was a really good scene. And I do just find it it's like so predictably hilarious that he's like emptying Maplethorpe's house <laughs> when mm-hmm. they're doing the heist. I mean, that is genuinely funny. Although I, I think that you could have seriously just put like literally anyone into this role and it would have worked. I think it's kind of less the performance of James Conn and more the, and more the sort of role itself, played for really really good laughs. Um, so that's kind of what I felt about that. And then Robert Musgrave, I mean, it's, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought this was like a pretty funny character. Yeah. Um, not not a great performance, but a funny character. If that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like he quite gets the like. The sort of he because he kind of feels like a cross between Owen and Luke, like he's sort of meek and, and looking for an adventure like Luke is maybe even meeker, but is also like kind of crazy enough in his own right to sort of go along with Dignan. Um, but yeah, what wasn't the most impressed with the performance, but thought the character was was played really well off of off of the two sort of leads. Um Scott, what did you what did you think of these three characters? If there's one do you want to laser in on specifically
1: yeah i don't know i, th- I just thought james Conn was fine i i would i would love to know the story about how he got cast in this movie because again wes anderson was like a no-name um filmmaker at the time and james Conn have a five
0: million dollar budget with columbia pictures okay. making it so that might have that might have helped but
1: yeah, I just I wonder what what made James Khan want to team up with somebody like this, you know. Yeah. Late in, late in James Kahn's career when he could have probably been, you know, he could have worked for any director. He could have been in any director's film at that point, but um but yeah, anyway, I thought he was fun. Yeah, I liked all the performances. I liked Bob as just kind of like the random guy in the background, right, who um yeah. has his own set of problems but like are just, they're, they're very much like in the background to what is, you know, going on, or at least the other characters try to keep them there and keep it there in the background. Like Bob's brother is getting arrested for like the marijuana, growing the marijuana plant or whatever. And it's like this huge deal to him because he thinks he's about to get, go down too. And Digna is just like, forget about it man like he he's he just is single minded like no the thing we are trying to do right now is the most important thing also um, his brother's so such I, a dick yeah he's bob is is he's like the put upon figure um but also anthony could be a little bit put upon too so i think it I, it makes sense that there's like a little bond there between the two of them and in the end anthony's like no i'm only going to do this with you if you also bring in bob
0: that's probably fair any other characters you guys want to talk about i mean that really covers most of it i guess the only other ones of any sort kumar of real and plans applejack. is yeah kumar and applejack who are in the final heist of the movie any thoughts on those guys we'll, well we can go to you first here i mean they were funny
1: kumar i mean uh poor applejack he just uh he wasn't wasn't fit for
0: that life <laughs> uh, Jay, what what did you think of Uh, well we can just talk about the final heist in general what did you think of the final set piece of the film
2: yeah i liked it um and again like i felt like the movie ended on a high note for me because of that um my god it was so chaotic um applejack and kumar were really funny like i I felt for both of them even kumar who like you know just clearly so inept and like you know you couldn't crack it because you never knew how to crack it like the safe ends up standing in
0: the freezer for no reason like yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no. To me, the, the final heist was full of funny moments. I think to me, the the most ridiculous was how people just kept walking in. It's like you're all supposed to be. You're always at lunch at this time. Yeah. The guy's just like, not always. And then like more and more people start coming in, and I don't know. Like the, the you know, someone's like walkie breaks. The elevator keeps moving. Who's in the elevator? Like it was, it was all. I don't know. Like I that. Yeah. Put that, that the really masks
1: works. on, even though they've already <laughs> seen their faces. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Like how like. Stupid looking the masks were too, like the whole thing. Yeah, they were basically know.
0: just like socks they put over their head. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It, um,
0: well, I think it, they're literally like pantyhose, is what they are. Yeah,
2: I think so. Yeah, because yeah. you see the little like because the they're sheer at the top. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But like, it, like that's that's the part that I was like, all right, fine, this is all coming to a head. Like you're all so disorganized and like it's nuts. And I'm here for it. Poor Applejack.
0: Do we feel bad for Applejack and Kumar? I can't tell if we actually feel bad for them or not.
2: I feel a little bad for them, a lot of bad I don't know. They they've probably been
0: them. they've
1: probably been hoodwinked by Mister Henry the same as you know yeah. everyone else has really. Uh, that's because true because that's you know they're his associates too. So
0: yeah, that's why I was trying to figure out if I was to feel bad for them because obviously he's just set this up to to just empty Bob's yeah. house, um, his Bob. Frank Lloyd Wright designed house. It's ridiculous, but yeah, no, the the last part is, is the best part of the film for me. And like I was saying at the sort of at the start, I also think it's the most Wes Anderson kind of, of, in in a way it has. At least in terms of flavor, it feels the most Wes Anderson, maybe thematically there's, there's other parts that you could point to in the film that are pretty Wes, but the zaniness and like, I just associate a lot of, a lot of zaniness with, with his filmmaking style. And this has a lot of it. Certainly the consistently funniest part.
1: Nowadays, you know, if this heist, it would either be like animated or, you know, you'd have like all that's these true. people that they would be running in and it would be like Back a tracking shot and then they would stop yeah. in the middle of the frame. You know, that, that's exactly how it would uh, visually.
0: Definitely. Like we will definitely see that for sure. in future future films as he gets more refined in his own style that he likes visually. I mean, frankly, I don't think this movie's edited very well. I don't know if that's like a hot take or not, but like. It's like very choppy editing, and I think you get a lot of that in the in the final heist, but the laugh sort of made up for it for me. And yeah, Apple Jack and Kumar, I mean. The fact that Bob is just so insistent that he didn't shoot his gun, yeah, <laughs> and he shot an applejack in the arm—that's just so hilarious to me. It reminds me, again,
1: thinking about another, you know, filmmaker who was coming up just at this time, Quentin Tarantino, right? Like his, sure. you know, breakthrough movie involved. Pulp Fiction involved was only a few years after this. Getting accidentally shot also uh, yeah. was yeah you know, a year or two prior to this. So I mean, I, I he probably wasn't thinking about that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it fits right along with the sort of trends in in independent filmmaking at
0: the time but because um, Pulp Fiction was what was that 95 or 94 94 94 yeah yeah Wes Anderson what a faker just stealing stuff from other independent filmmakers no I'm kidding mm. um I guess I mean if this was, I don't know I don't know what was included in the short in the short film or not maybe maybe Quentin was stealing from uh from Wes I don't know <laughs> I have to get them on the yeah, podcast man. and ask them what the deal with that was fine by me yeah That'd be it a podcast. I'm it. sure you got connections with what you do, Scott. <laughs> um, I don't. Well, I think I think Wes's movie this past year was a focus. Was it a focus film? I, no, no, it was a searchlight film. Maybe um, maybe
1: Jay's got connections too. I know Quentin Tarantino did the uh, the podcast with Dak shepherd
0: That is like the Spotify uh, Spotify original or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check (laughs) in with my focus pal. I'm just kidding. Because Moonrise Kingdom was a focus film. Um, So I'll I'll check in with my focus contact to see if we can get Wes on the pod.
1: The other thing I liked um, in the final heist was the Rolling
0: Stones needle drop, which I thought was really um, well used. I'll leave it to Scott to point out a needle drop. Okay, (laughs) okay, music guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was good. It was a good yeah. Any other last thoughts about Bottle Rock? I mean, we could probably talk more about The themes explicitly if you guys want to i mean we talked about the final heist i mean well i guess like what did you think of the i mean jay thought the first sounds like the first two thirds were were fine and pretty and fairly uninspiring if i think that's that's fair to say
2: i think that's a fair characterization
0: scott do you want to talk more specifically about what you found charming about the first two thirds i mean you said it got off to a slow start but were there elements that that were able to pull you in still
1: I mean, I just like the friendship. I think throughout, um, like, I, I don't, I don't know what, the, ju- just the fact that these two people kept being drawn back together, and there, you know, there's clearly an affection there um, for each other, even though, you know, Anthony's life and goals are kind of constantly getting screwed up by, um,
0: by different- what? What? What are Anthony's goals? What do you think they are? Well,
1: uh, eventually, they become to be with an I mean, I, I think he just wants... It seems like maybe he just wants like a normal, stable life to some extent. And
0: I, I don't know. Which is such a contrast because you said that he wanted something exciting to happen in his life.
2: Yeah. Say, a- actions speak louder than words on that one.
1: Well, there. Uh, yeah. I mean, may- maybe there is like a part of him that cannot get past... Because obviously he's known Dignan for a long time, right? So you, you get the sense that they have been involved in these sort of schemes for a while. Um, So yeah, maybe it's he wants out of this life or maybe it is, you know, if they were to successfully pull off these heists or something, it would give him the resources that he needs to settle down and have the stable life that he wants to. Or maybe he doesn't know what he wants until he meets Inez. Maybe Inez is, you know, kind of the person who... Puts it all into context for him. Um, I think I definitely like think that's a, a bit closer to the mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I like the friendship. Even like at the very end, like you know, Dignan trying to get them in on one more scheme, uh, like you know, breaking him out of prison or whatever. Um, but then you know, it being a joke, basically. Um, I thought that that was was it know. a joke? I don't know. But um, again, in that moment, I kind of realized. Even though, you know, he's a screw up and he's gotten them into a lot of trouble and everything, I still kind of liked the character of Dignan, like, in the end. And that moment kind of cemented it for me. So I, I think it was just the friendship. Like, I liked the characters, you know, just the general vibes of, you know, the the movie during sure. the motel segment and everything, just kind of the way it coasts along on the relationships. You know, I, I I'm a sucker for that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, Jay. Any other parting thoughts about the film before we wrap up?
2: Let's bring it home.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess just to tack on mine really quickly, I, I did also sort of coast on the vibes. I think to Scott's point, I, I think that everything pre bookstore heist, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't super brought in by yet. And then I think once they actually do the bookstore heist, I think that's maybe when I was a little bit more keyed in. And then. I do think that in spite of the cringiness of aspects of the motel, which I already talked about, I do think because you're getting to know these characters a little bit better, it does. It did pull me in a little bit more. And then the final act of the film was, it has its highs and lows, but that high with the, with the final heist um, was, was pretty good. And, and I guess I'll save it. I actually, I guess I'll just, well, this will be our favorite scene or moment. There's a, I'll start just cause this, is, I was about to segue into this. Um, there's a moment, like right at the end of the movie, or not right at the end, but like towards the end of the that high scene, where there's an opportunity for both Dignan and Anthony just sort of to, to leave Applejack and run away. Um, and and Anthony is telling Dignan, "You should just run. I'm going to go back for Applejack." And Dignan's like, "No, I'll do it." And he's like, "I won't get caught because I'm innocent." I'm like, "What on earth are you talking about?"
2: <laughs> just
0: <laughs> so serious, and but also stupid and silly at the same time in a way that doesn't that, that kind of humor doesn't always work for me but it's just like so earnest i guess in the moment that it's it's able to it was able to crack to crack my gruff exterior um jay what was your favorite senior moment from bottle rocket
2: well you took mine so now i have to come up with a new one Well
0: I, the whole the line and everything
2: pretty much yeah well, that that moment just like where they're yeah. arguing about who should go back in but i can yeah. take another one um and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's when uh, Dignan is being conveyed that Inez is in love with uh, yeah. Andrew and he's like, OK, like clearly not getting that he's supposed to be relaying this message back. And then later when he's like, you know, talking to Andrew about it, and he's just like, yeah, like yeah, he's you, weird. He like he loved you. And he was like, wait, what? Like, was he translating? He's like, I, I don't know. Like He was speaking English. <laughs> it's like, no, um, just yeah. another moment where you're like, man, how do you function?
0: This is, um, they're also like in the middle of like a gallery like an art gallery launch or something like that I don't know what they were actually at when that happens but it, but there's like a bunch of people there wasn't it like some sort of like I art was show a
2: bar I might just be forgetting I oh, it was it was a bar like
0: a party or something yeah. it was yeah, a party some, yeah that, like made, that maybe it was just a party I just thought it was so weird that he's like on this rotary phone yeah because party. he calls
1: Inez and he's like
2: I'm at a party
0: yeah that could be right. a gallery launch it's okay you can you can Whatever. be at a party <laughs> it was
2: weirdly specific maybe it was I don't remember but I just just yeah, like there's a lot of
0: art in the background but maybe I maybe I wasn't paying attention I don't know um, but that's a funny scene for sure, Scott. What was your favorite scene or moment?
1: There's a moment I like where Dignan is like describing his backstory with Mr. Henry, and he's talking about like the fact that the it was used as a landscaping the the front of the yeah, you know scheme is that it's a landscaping company, and he's like lamenting the fact that he like actually enjoyed working with Mr. Henry, and he's like but he actually also enjoyed the landscaping part of it he's like somebody had to mow the lawns or whatever <laughs> yeah. somebody had to clip the hedges it was funny but it was also like a nice moment of sincerity like to help you see that that character is like a real person that like you know stuff actually
0: matters to him yeah it definitely forecasts or um you know foretells that he's basically just going to be an applejack or kumar which is exactly what it ends yeah. up being, because those guys are not in it for the heisting; they're in it for the for the mowing of the lawn. I think. Um, but yeah, oh Kumar, 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 what a guy! Uh, all right, guys, let's put a score on it. Jay, to you first. Out of uh, four point five, what do you? I'm kidding. Out of ten, what do you <laughs> give this one?
2: Wait, wait, what? <laughs> um, five point four. I expect we'll go up Whoa. here. <laughs> but I, that's like a zero on
0: jace <laughs> we
2: we we are so past those days you, with all the movies i've watched with you guys i've had to come up with like a deeper scale right otherwise yeah
0: it doesn't worse than attack of the clones all right
2: well i mean again that that was probably like before we'd started shifting like i think honestly rise I'm of skywalker was the first movie where i dipped below like five so you know we we, we need to t- treat everything before that with a grain of salt but for sure yeah
1: See, D- Dignan should have just said to Anthony that love won't save you, only my new powers can do that, and <laughs> Jay would have boosted the score a little bit. Ha,
2: ha, ha. Uh,
0: Palpatine's back.
2: <laughs> Somehow, Palpatine's Somehow Palpatine <laughs> has Somehow <laughs> Palpatine has returned,
0: returned. yeah.
1: Uh, oh. good. Scott, what are you giving this film? Somehow Mr. Henry has returned, um. I give it a 7.7. I enjoyed the movie. I think it's a nice, charming start. You know, charming and slight start. Like, again, you would not have expected that the person who made this movie would go on to become one of the most significant independent or, you know, auteur filmmakers of the last 22 years and beyond. But, yeah, it's cool to see that that has been the case. And it was nice to finally check this off the list because i would never seen this
0: one. So 7.7. Yeah. For me, closer to Scott than Jay, I'm giving this film a 7.3. I enjoyed it. I did Um, I'll, like Scott. And I think we've all said slow to start for sure, but grab me eventually. It'll be, I'll be curious to see over the next few films, how this film, if it does in a, you know, coherent way bridge towards the, the Anderson films that I have seen. But with that, I think that's going to wrap up part one of our Anderson countdown guys. We're back. The Anderson countdown is happening and we have, nine or ten more parts ahead of us depending on if we do a, a, a retrospective episode which i always feel like is a coin flip about whether we make it to a retrospective episode or not but sometimes we do sometimes we don't uh, guys any any socials you want to you want to plug here jay
2: jay be one five on letterboxd you Amazing. won't find much there
0: you won't find much there
1: i'm at scarvey dent on
2: all platforms
0: and i'm at shelton two zero one three on twitter letterboxd serialized the next goal is to get jay on serialized i think that's our next mission please follow our podcast as well that's on patreon at www.patreon.com slash media plug pods support us uh we'd really appreciate that um even if you only contribute at the one dollar level www.patreon.com slash media plug pods check it out for yourself if you choose not to support us over on patreon though that's okay you can still find us on apple Podcasts, spotify i should put that first for jay um and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Where we'd appreciate if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, etc. So that uh, more people can listen to us talk about Wes Anderson. We appreciate you for taking the time to listen to, to us talk about Bottle Rocket. We'll be back next week with a discussion of Wes Anderson's second film, Rushmore. Uh, Owen Wilson also co-writing that one. And I think he's also in that film, too. I think he is He in Rushmore. Maybe not, actually. He, he might,
1: might be. not be. That might be the one
0: he doesn't appear in. Yeah. Oh, no, he does. He, he has a uncredited cameo in the there film. There we go. Uh, just looking at it now. But he did co-write with that with Wes Anderson, and we'll be talking about that film next week. But until then, for Scott Harvey and Jay Habib, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time.